Welcome to Living Better in San Diego, a public service presentation of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. Hi, I'm Sue DeVincent with Yvonne Ermey, and today we're talking about a very important event that only happens once every 10 years, the census. Community-based organizations have been working together for a year preparing for the census. Today, we have Joanne Fields, Government and Public Relations Director for the Asian Pacific Islander Initiative, and Erminia Ledesma, Program Manager and Outreach at Migrant Health, Vista Community Club. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. So glad to be here. Okay, you guys, now we have heard so much about the census. We know how important it is, but you tell us why it's so incredibly vital, Joanne, for people to fill this out. It is so important for our whole community to participate because with these numbers, we plan for the next 10 years. So for our babies, that means we're planning for preschool, kindergarten, elementary school, For our high school students, we may plan for their entry into the workplace or college. And for our seniors, do we have access to quality health care, affordable housing and programs? So it affects all of us. And it is very important, again, because the population has shifted, especially here in San Diego County. We know that there are population booms in the South Bay, in East Lake and Winding Walk. So we need to plan for infrastructure. So those are just a couple of examples why. Now, over the years, how would you say the census has reflected how our community has changed, especially here in San Diego? So in terms of business, if I was to open a business in the East County, I would know that there's a a growing Chaldean community. In Mayor Mesa, we have a growing South Asian community. Those are things that we don't readily think about. But as a business person, if I'm going to invest in a place, you need to know who is your market. What is the buying power? In the South Bay and in San Diego in general, we're a border city. So we must outreach also in Spanish and Filipino, which is the second largest community here in um, the county. When you talk about businesses can use this information, is the info that you guys collect available then to the public? Yes, it is. When we finish collecting, we being the census, there is a report that goes to the president that in turn is used for data that will be shared through agencies like the San Diego Association of Governments. So you can use that to project and plan. SANDAG uses it to plan for our transportation, public transportation. You hear the five big moves. Well, how many people are we moving um, with this coronavirus issue? How many people are we saving? How many people are going to be affected? So it is really important, and it doesn't sound sexy when you say, oh, let's participate in the census. (laughs) But when you think about the information that's given, it's like, you know what? It really affects all of us. It affects the radio station. Where is your reach? Mm -hmm. How many customers or listeners are are participating so that you can in turn sell advertisements. It's really important in all sectors of our community. The data that's shared is shared in statistical formats, so there isn't any identifiable information, which is really important. It's a lot of question on all of our minds is, is my personal data shared? No, it's aggregate data that's shared and that the community can use themselves. We go into a lot of topics with this information we gather. What kind of questions are you asking? Is this a lengthy questionnaire or? We're really only asking 
we mean, again, the census is yes. asking nine questions by yourself. If you're living with a roommate, a family member, then there will be an extra question, and then the questions are asked for that person. The questionnaire is sent to a household where you self-identify who is residing there. In the um, For college students, maybe it's roommates. Or because of the economic time, it may be multiple families, like with your parents and my kids live with me. So that's essentially three generations in one address. So you self-identify who is there. But what's really important is that you identify that they do live there. All right, we're talking today about the 2020 census. You're going to be hearing about this very, very soon, getting something in the mail. But it seems to me, Joanne, the last time that I saw a census it was way more detailed than just nine questions. Am I wrong? The last census, there was what was called a long form and a short form. But this time around, and that's what we're focused on in 2020, it's only nine questions. That's easy. Yes. And then between the 10 years, you'll get other surveys that are more detailed. But for what we are advocating for everyone to participate in is Census 2020, and there are only nine questions per person. Can I ask, what are the nine questions? We can pull that up online. So I didn't memorize all of it, but basically (laughs) it's your name, your age, your ethnicity. Are you male, female? Marriage status, demographic questions. Well, there was one question that a lot of people were fearful of that did not fill out the census in the past, uh, and that is about citizenship. Is that on the census? No, the citizenship question didn't make it on the census. But one thing that all of the community partners that are engaged are afraid of is that all the media hype that there was around the citizenship question was enough to deter people from filling out the questionnaire. And so we want to encourage folks to fill out the census. The citizenship question is not on there. And only the data that's shared is shared aggregate, no identifiable information is shared. And I can't share that enough because I think that the information shared is not just applicable to those who might be undocumented, but also folks who are sheltering or, you know, other families and they feel that they'll get in trouble for co-bunking and, right. and those other types of topics also, you know, add to the fear that folks already have. I think I have to say that people were taught as to be very careful and hold on tight to our personal information and not to give that out. And so I guess people automatically have a wall up about a lot of this, but especially when they think they're going to get in trouble for something. And what we need that we have to emphasize today is the more that we get back, the more dollars we're going to have for all those vital programs here for San Diego. If you're not represented, we're not going to get that funding, right? Right. And we, we being the Count Me 2020 coalition that has been facilitated by United Way, there are over 150 community partners. So with Hermina's um, organization in North Carolina, at the Vista Community Clinic, Asian Pacific Islander Initiative, Paving Great Futures, and again, over 150 organizations, plus our government agencies. We've been working also with the San Diego Association of Governments, where we have a Census 2020 work group so that we can educate the community on why we need to participate, that it is safe to participate, it is confidential, and that we should all not fear these questions because the citizen question is not there. So we are seen as trusted voices and we're blessed to to be in that position. But with you, with our media partners also, we can spread the word 
Why is it so important? When we fill this out, you can avoid a knock on the door because you can call it in, you can complete it on the computer, and then you're done. No no knock on the door, no other questions. Let me play devil's advocate here to the opposite end of the citizen question. By not asking that question, are you not getting a true reflection of who's really here? I think that the citizenship question is a deterrent, really. And and for a lot of reasons, I mean, we see it in the community. Folks are um, something as simple as reporting to law enforcement. We already know that there's a barrier, lack of trust because of, of the same fear that comes from the citizenship question. And so I think we can think in the devil's advocate perspective, but really we know it as a deterrent to folks from filling out the census. And we know that it impacts in other, multiple ways. So for us, one of the biggest messages is just ensuring that folks feel comfortable and that their information is protected and to fill out the census because it just means so much to our communities. And it is a true reflection when we are all counted. Right. Because when we call 911 and the ambulance comes, they're not asking for citizenship, but they're using infrastructure. Right. Mm -hmm. Our first responders, we need room for them in the emergency room and our hospitals or even in our clinics for prevention health services. It's like taking a picture of the whole United States on April 1st and counting them so that we have the infrastructure in place. We have enough seats in our classroom. We have access to health care and so on. So I, I think the, taking the census is going to be easier this year, mm-hmm. you said, because you've got some new technology to help people out. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So this year, the most important and easiest way to take the census is online. So that's new, this this yes. census. Uh, before, folks were getting used to getting something in the mail. And people will still have access to other types of format if they don't have online access at their home. So they can... Uh, complete the census via phone, via mail, and also in person if they do have a QAC or QAK, which are questionnaire assistance centers and questionnaire assistance kiosks. And folks can go to community spaces like our very own clinic and fill out their census there. But online being this the easiest portion with the nine questions per person that can get folks census completed. And you're asking these questions in a wide range of languages, right? So how many languages are available? So when you call the 800 number, there are 13 languages that include Arabic, Filipino, Spanish, just to name a few. And the it's an 800 number. So there is no fees other than calling 800-923-8282, which is the Census Bureau Customer Service Center, and they can provide any assistance in 13 languages. Okay, I am so happy that you have that assistance available to people because I remember the last one, I was stuck on a couple of things like, I'm not really sure how to answer this. And I wish I knew that there was a number to pick up and just call and ask somebody. Because if that one thing is a deterrent for somebody saying, "Eh, you know what, I'm just not going to do this because I don't know how to answer that. You're making it so much easier for people to respond. I feel like you're going to get such a better response rate this year. And one important thing to note is that an incomplete census or not filling out the census at all could get you a knock on the door with an enumerator. And so if you fill out your census completely and reach out to that 800 number to get support with it, you're less likely to get a knock on the door uh, (laughs) towards the tail end of the efforts. But if you do, obviously they're going to be 
identified in a way that we have to make sure that we're giving our information to the right person. Correct. So every person can go online and visit the Census Bureau page where they show pictures of what a enumerator badge looks like. Oh, excellent. Because honestly, I live alone. I don't often answer my door because... I'm taught not to. My dad's like, no, you do not answer your door for a stranger. You don't know who that is. So especially if that person's going to be asking information. So we just don't want any bad guys trying to impersonate you. Well, it's interesting. In my neighborhood in City Heights, I think all of myself included, all my neighbors, we all have fences that are like people can't even get to our doors. So it's great that there are all these options, you know. Yes, and we have had a series of community trainings. We'll have another one this Sunday so that the young people, we have a lot of students that will be attending. At one training, they shared, uh, a participant shared, yeah, I was 16, my parents weren't home, and they told me they were here for the census, and they were in a suit, and I just slammed the door because they didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. So. Again, with the training, with the education, with technology, we're getting the word out to educate and motivate our community to participate to ensure a complete and accurate count in Census 2020. You guys had a, was it 70% uh, response rate last year? Is that what we said? Yeah, so if you go on to the census and look at back to 2010 census data, it'll give you the percentage of response la- for from that year. And it was about statistics that we've heard. It's, it's about 72%. But one thing that's important to know is that it changes by track. You can have communities that have 100% response rate, and then you can have other communities that have a 35% response rate, a 50% response rate. So it so, really varies. And that's what we're targeting. And that's what's called a hard to count community. So when you hear HTC, they mean hard to count community. So it may be a hard to count community because um, of the ethnicity that we're um, immigrants. So maybe we're Filipino or Middle Eastern or African uh, or Latino, or that maybe you're a person with disabilities or that you are a C Others don't count our kids. We need to count all kids, zero to five, because again, with these numbers, we're projecting the next 10 year of programs and services. Well, I think by you guys just being here today and getting the word out, I think trust is a big thing, especially for those hard to reach communities. And it's not just from us even saying this, it's from somebody who is part of that hard to reach community, sharing that information with their community and saying, it's okay, guys, we can trust, we can answer these questions. That question is not going to be on there fill it out. Let's do this. Do we have any specific examples of what what are our hard to count communities in San Diego? Yeah. So interestingly enough, one of the hardest to count are children, which are really stand to lose the most. So children zero to five are the ones that are often left out of the census. Why? I mean, a lot of different factors, but folks, you know, sometimes they don't even think that they should count the kids, that this should be only for adults and just a lot of other misconceptions that are out in the community. Hmm. But kiddos stand to lose the most. So over a a period of their lifespan, they're likely to see less resources than, you know, their adults. And as they age into the, you know, um, schooling and, and other types of resources, when they're not counted, they're not really reflected into how resources are broken up. And we also want to tell folks how what's in it for them. Because we can say, yeah. yes, there's $675 billion at stake, but that doesn't go directly into my pocket. But actually it does. So for Head Start preschool program, that's federally funded. 
our free lunch program is federally funded. Wow. We are federal student aid. FAFSA is federally funded. So that's how it um, affects our young people. But of course, with our um, adults, Section 8 housing vouchers, we know housing is really hard to afford. So we need assistant programs. So how much do we need? Section 8 vouchers, we have a shortage. It's probably because we didn't have an accurate count. So these are programs that this is what's in it for you. It's these federal programs that we're trying to get funding and um, the representation so those resources come to our community. Okay, I don't want to sound like the kid that's sitting at the front of the class going, teacher, can we have more tests? But why do we only do this then once every 10 years? Don't we need to know, like, especially when you're talking about a kid zero to five years old, why don't we do it more often? Joanne shared earlier that there's components that are actually done a little bit more often. So I think uh, we think about the census as a 10-year effort. There's things that happen in between each census that folks don't know about. And there's things like the American Community Survey that also is part of the census and has more detailed information and goes into a lot of the, it's a little bit more of an invasive questionnaire, definitely, but it all goes back to reflect, accurately reflect what's going on in our communities and that census work just happens all year long not in the big of an effort because I think that's the one thing we all recognize is that census efforts especially here in San Diego and California because of our population and our size do look larger than in other states or other counties just to give you all an idea California is spending almost 200 million dollars to make sure that we have an accurate count because although that sounds like a lot we actually stand to lose more over the period of 10 years if we don't accurately count. Like Joanne says, a lot of things that uh, come into our communities are touched or affected by the census in some way or another. Can I ask, um, does the census include the homeless community? Yes, it does. There are special operations so that we count our homeless, our military, group quarters that include prisons, group homes, Everyone, again, under the sun will get counted. So there are different operations and different phases. So another important piece is the hiring for the census. We hire from the community that looks like us. Ah. So that when people, if they do have to have an enumerator um, knock at their door, it's someone that they may have known or seen in the community. It's not someone that's imported from another city or county. It's someone that's in the neighborhood that knows the neighborhood and knows the nuances. So that is also kept in mind so that we can have that accurate count. We know that there's embankments in southeastern San Diego where there are homeless folks. We know in the South Bay or the J Street Marina, there's people living in their cars. We know that because we're from the community. So with our community partners, again, we we help guide the uh, census where to find everyone and, and get them counted. And I would imagine California, like other border states, have a particular issue to and challenge when it comes to the census as well for people that are not being counted. Yes. Right. So one of the things that, that we talked about are, are children or folks that maybe come and go. A special population that we work with at the clinic is our farm worker population that's transitory. And so they're really here only seasonally. Oh, farm worker. Okay. Yeah, farm yeah. worker population. So folks that, you know, travel here for work or travel up and down the state, I think those are... Um, 
Um, also communities that were really committed to making sure that they get counted in the census. And again, it's because of the California makeup and the landscape of our state that we have to devote special resources. Okay, so this is about to happen. Let's talk dates. Who's getting that census? When is it rolling out? So it is rolling out this week. So you can expect in the mail your invitation to participate in the census between March 12th and March 20th. So hopefully once you receive that your what is called a census ID number, you can go to your computer or you can call on the census line and re, um, self-report and self-identify uh, who resides at that address. But if you don't, you'll receive a reminder um, on March 16th through the 24th, a third reminder touch point, March 26th to April 3rd. And again, we want you to complete this by census day, which is April 1st. April 1st is census day. And then there's another effort after that you want to share? Yeah, so in after April 1st, folks will still get reminders. And these efforts will go all the way up until May and June even, just to ensure that folks are counted. So again, if you don't want to get a knock on your door, which right. a lot of us don't like to, <laughs> you know, make sure to fill out the census by April 1st. And one of the things that we do know is that it just so happens that April 1st is also April Fool's Day, but this is any <laughs> census effort. no reflection not, on the not census. A joke. <laughs> just a not day. a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's not a game. You can get more information also on the website. There's a number of websites, census.gov or CaliforniaCensus.gov. And locally for the coalition that we are working with, CountMe2020.org is the website locally. So you'll see a lot of community partners that um, will be pushing this. We're sending out reminders. We're going to be giving the participate in the census flyers. So people will know. They're going to say, hey, I heard it on the radio. I saw it on the news. Mm -hmm. I saw them at the trolley. It's in print media. It's in the schools. It's that important. And we hope all of you will participate with us and we get the most accurate count. And remember, it's safe to do. It's easy to do with just nine questions. They've made it sexy this year. Yes. <laughs> I, I, that just stayed with the me when you said that bringing earlier. bringing sexy back. Bringing sexy back to that census. Maybe that should be the next tw- ne- 10 years. Try that one. Hashtag. <laughs> i got to get that out of my head now. Puppies, puppies, kittens, kittens. Get me that out of my head. But again, it's super important. We're joking around, but it's building better roads, schools. It's to fund community programs for kids for seniors, for families. We're helping to create jobs and improve housing. How has that helped create jobs, by the way? Let's talk about that, because that's so important right now. Everybody's so worried about finances. So with jobs, small businesses, we know, is the driving force for jobs. Again, when you're investing in a community, you want to know the what. who is the market? What is the market? What big companies, when Amazon was looking for a center? Yes. That's thousands of jobs. Our mm. military... Is uh, um, housing affordable? We know that there's 10,000 sailors about to move into San Diego County. But it's, again, the planning and programming derived from these numbers. People are not going to invest in businesses, corporations, if we don't have space or if the market isn't there. So that's why it's all intertwined. And the jobs are created from, again, those numbers from planning and projecting. And we all know we pay the sunshine tax to live here. All of us do. But affordable housing is 
always a challenge here in San Diego, and it's not getting any better. And so this is part of the problem. If we know that we have X number of uh, people in a community that we need to help uh, be able to survive here in San Diego, we need to build in, say, when uh, a development has to go in, they have to build in certain number of homes that are also affordable housing. And and if we don't do the census and we're unrepresented for those people, we're not going to have that kind of affordable housing, right? And, and it's not people moving into San Diego. It's our it's our kids growing older. Yes. And then who is uh, moving into these single family homes? Is it one person mm-hmm. or is it multifamily? We hear a lot of those granny flats yeah. because we have multi-generations. Again, it didn't just happen. It's all projection and planning from the census. And you're right. You you touched on that, too. A lot of uh, kids end up moving out of the state. I just read a story about how many of them move out of the state because they just they can't afford to buy a first home here. Just yeah. There's not even a consideration which is so sad. So if the population moves out of the state, we are prone to losing representation in Congress and state assembly. Congress, because the population shift, will shift the boundaries. And that's what comes after the census. No, we can't have that. So that's another important step after census. Yeah, Yeah, and I think people should see filling out the census is the first part of our civic engagement. I think all of us want to be active participants in our communities. And aside from voting, which we're in an election year again, the census is the first layer that determines, like uh, Joanne said, the districting and our representation in Congress and Senate. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I I think of it, my civic duty, I vote, you know, I try to stay up to date on it, but I've never taken the census. So I don't know what happened, but I'm she, glad you guys are here to tell me. She's exactly who you're trying to reach. Yes. yes. And maybe if you did see the one before, the last one that I saw that was very detailed, I felt like it was like doing my tax return. Yeah. It's not at all like that this time. And the thing yeah. is, I'm, pro- I'm pretty sure I probably live in a hard to reach community. I live in City Heights, you know, it's yes. like walled in, lots of, you you know, um, lots of immigrants, a lot of, um, you know, foreign language speakers and, you know. So with that, again, we have uh, over 150 community partners. Many are also in City Heights. Not only do we want to make it sexy, but we want to make it fun. <laughs> so we're you're going to see us at events. You're going to see us with a question assistance, a mobile question assistance center. So if we have any events or activities, we can be, you can invite us, um, you being the public, Invite us to your events because more than likely we will have a partner that can go do a presentation and more importantly, help facilitate a questionnaire assistance center so that you can complete your census. Yeah, and I think aside from you all inviting us is inviting your friends and family to also fill out the census. I think we... As community reps and and folks who are in touch with our the communities that we serve, we can do so much. But when they hear it from their friends and families of how important it is and and really all the effects, it's a message that becomes that much more powerful, and they're more likely to fill out the census if they hear it from you. Well, that is what you guys are doing here today. I can't believe, but we're running short on time here. Give us the website one more time, where I know people can also go and even see the nine questions, right? Yeah. So if anyone's interested, they can visit countme2020.org which has our coalition um, San Diego information, and they can look up and find out more information in general about the census, including what some of the questions might look like. And before we go, we want to remind everyone and to be crystal clear, 
we are community partners that are seen as trusted voices in the community, but we do not work for the federal U.S. Census Bureau. We are lucky that our governor and the state has invested supplemental funding so that we can outreach every community, especially the hard-to-count communities, so that we ensure a complete and accurate count in Census 2020. But for those of you that are interested in working for the Census Bureau locally, there's different offices located in San Diego, and there are many positions still available for those that might need a job or might be interested, but the Census Bureau office uh, website, that would be the one where you can folks can find information about the jobs. CaliforniaCensus.org or census.gov. Okay, thank you so much, Joanne and Nirminia, for coming to visit us today and dropping the mic on what we need to do with the census. We've learned a lot. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Living Better in San Diego. If you'd like to get in touch with us or to drop a line, suggest a topic, email me and Sue at livingbetter@entercom.com. You guys have an awesome day, and we'll see you next week. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions and views of the staff and management of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. Episodes of Living Better in San Diego are available on this station's website.